Hi, everyone. We're back here to the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick. Rick, thanks for stopping by. How are you, man? Nielsen and Neil. How about that? Hey, a perfect combination. I'm waiting for that co-host and all that stuff to come on board. So let's talk about starting out. Did you always want to be in music, Rick? Yeah, uh, my parents were musicians. Uh, my parents, my father was an opera singer, so it was like, I was around music, but uh, it just wasn't my type. But uh, I started out as a drummer, and um, at the time I was involved with uh, the closest to guitar I was was like with the Ventures and uh, bands like that. But then the, then the Beatles came on, and I was hooked. Really, you're hooked. You said you wanted to do it, and so how did this experience? How did you guys get together, Cheap Trick? How did that happen? Well, let's see. I had a whole bunch of bands before. Cheap trick, but that, but I was always in those bands. Uh, I'm the only constant since 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 uh, since grade school till today. Oh wow! Who's in the band? So, uh, but you know, I was look for the best players to play with, and uh, and luckily I found found them. Um, they were picked the best buy from this band. Picked the best buy from, but not best buy, best guy from this band. And uh, and the last the last that made it the whole thing together was uh, Robin Zander. Always always looking for a singer that could sing like that. And that was the big thing. Finding that find is what discovered you guys, right? Getting that yeah. final find. What do you say? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I was good. Uh, drummer was good. Bass player was good. Like I said, I was good. And uh, the missing cement was was uh, was Robin and. Still my favorite lead singer in the whole wide world. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so let's kind of go into specifically how did that big break happen? Well, uh, let's see. We'd been banging. Actually, I got a record deal, and, and, Tom, and Tom Peterson um, was on that day. Uh, we were both just out of high school, and uh, we got signed to, to Epic Records. And I was the, I was the guitar, second guitarist and Mellotron players. I was the only guy in the United States that had a Mellotron at that time in 68. And uh, we put our first record out in 1969. Uh, fresh out of high school, had our own deal and Epic Records. And we went no place. <laughs> uh, but we, we were too dumb to quit just like Cheap Trick is. And, uh, and we stuck around. And, and uh, so that was 69. And a mere, a mere nine years later, eight years later, after starting Cheap Trick, uh, um, we got our second deal, uh, second record deal offered to us. Uh, Jack Douglas had come to see us. At, we were playing at a bowling alley in Waukesha, Wisconsin. He had relatives up there, and he came to see us and liked us immediately. At least I guess that's his story. And uh, called the called the record label the next morning, and uh, we got signed in one day. That's 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 the great overnight success story. You know, why? yeah, overnight success. Sure. 10 years after, after the first group. Uh, oh, and, and then we made our record in 76 that didn't come out till 77. Um, so we were like an overnight sensation and that record didn't sell well. So it's like, uh, and second one didn't. And uh, we just kept going. So you have, you have this attitude of not giving up then it sounds like in loving. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, and not not bragging or whatever, but it's like I, I always thought we were good. I always thought the bands that 
interview we, we put together, the songs we wrote were good. And if people didn't like it, well, uh, there you go. If you, if you have to tell people you're cool, you're not. So you, you have to wait around till people come in and think you're cool. And um, you know, we, we just stuck to our guns. We didn't, uh, every dumb move we'd make, if we thought it was good, then it wasn't dumb. You know, we, we went with it. And we, we're still to this day, you know, it's like, uh, we're too dumb to quit. And, and we, uh, we, have the, we have the music to prove it. You definitely have the music to prove it. So when we talk about specifically enough, rebranding the name at Cheap Trick, how did you come up with that name? Uh, well, the, the band we had before, which was uh, the, the, the four of us minus, minus Robin, uh, we, we lived in Philadelphia and we were called Sick Man of Europe. And if that isn't the worst name on earth, uh, every time, if you have a name of a band where people, if you, if you tell them what it is, what? You have to, go, you, you have to tell them exactly what it is because they can't, it doesn't slip off the tongue so easily. Uh, finally, I just got tired of having, uh, like the name, whatever we had, um, we went to see Slade, uh, Tom and I did in Philadelphia at the, at the Spectrum. And, uh, they came on and Tom said to me, God, these guys have every, every cheap trick in the book, they had glitter and they had high, yeah. high heel shoes on and this and that. And I said, cheap trick. Yeah. I said, that's a that's a name. It's like a household name, but, uh, but it doesn't connotate anything. I, I don't think, uh, but everybody would know what that is and whether they, whatever, whatever definition they had of that, uh, it still was a, like a household name. I mean, like the Rolling Stones, if they weren't really good, the Rolling Stones is just as bad as any other name. Uh, but it's, exactly. every time you think of Rolling Stones, ah, you just, ah that's those, those guys. And it, it means something. And cheap trick means something, and specifically, yeah, cheap, cheap trick means something. It's like people would say, "Oh, what is their cheap trick?" It's like, um, "Where's all that sound coming from?" And we were like, "It was just guitar, bass, and drums." But Tom, Tom had developed a, uh, by then it had developed a, the, the twelve-string bass and ten-string bass, eight-string bass, and we just had a, a way of. Uh, filling out the sound so well. Yes. It's like, so everybody thought we always, even later on, people thought we always had extra instruments playing. So like U2 or something, you know, they, they play and all these other instruments appear. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, we, we always filled out the sound with, two, with the three pieces. And um, I don't know. So the look and feel of your band, thinking about Cheap Trick, the name you came up with it, then the talk about specifically defining Cheap Trick as a gimmick, as we call in pro wrestling, gimmick. A gimmick is like, you know, a specific character, and that was the character of the band, and then Cheap Trick is trying all the different uh, moves to kind of put something over to make it get over. What would you say, how'd you create the style once you thought of that? You said you had the other band, you put this band together, and it starts to take off the look, the feel at that time in the seventies for music and figuring out how that band's aura and reputation and brand looked. Well, you know, mm-hmm. myself was like, a, I was never going to be a, a Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, uh, Keith Richards kind of guy. You know, I, I was always a class clown in school. And it's like, if, if I tried to dress up and look like 
like any of those guys, like I was a, like I was a rock star. It just wasn't me anyhow. I mean, it was a guitar player, songwriter. And uh, so if I tried to be be cool, if I tried to act like I was cool, I couldn't do it. You know, if I tried to act like I'm me, uh, the, ex the eccentric screwball, whatever, uh, I could do that. I, I didn't try to look like Haystacks Balboa. Uh, I don't know if you remember him from you. Old wrestler. I, I actually knew a lot of the old wrestlers. I went Did to, you? Yeah, because you were oh, in yeah. Chicago. You grew up near Chicago, right? So. Uh -huh. Yeah. And uh, I saw actually, I saw Gorgeous George with my dad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you were the old days. I'm I'm 48, but I wrestled in my in my 20s and retired in 29 in Bremen, Germany. I wrestled before The Rock was The Rock. He wore my knee pads down south. So I was part of the Attitude Era in wrestling. So I don't know the old school era, but when I consider anything, music and wrestling, rock and wrestling went hand in hand in the 80s. So yeah, well, about the 70s. some of those guys, that uh, we'd play the same places that the wrestlers did. I mean, we had um, Andre the Giant was out with us and I was with uh, Brutus Beefcake. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Do you have a story guys. about you and Andre? Do you have a story about you and well, Andre? Yeah, yeah, just we were, we were at the same place. Oh. You, didn't like, out, you didn't go out drinking with him afterwards because he would have yeah, drank yeah. you. Well, no, I went drinking with a lot of the other boys, but not <laughs> when I was on, not with Andre. Uh, also, uh, um, uh, which the Heart, Heart Foundation was oh, Kevin, I, Kevin Hart. Bret Hart and uh, Bret Hart, Hart. I knew them. I actually saw him. At, you said mentioned Germany. I, uh, I met him at, uh, not the first time, but I met him at uh, uh, a restaurant, German restaurant in in, in Milwaukee. And uh, so I've known him for a long time. And plus, uh, who who's the mouth of the South? Oh, Jimmy Hart. You mean yeah. Jimmy? So, you know, I, so I, I kind of, you know, we're, we're all kind of like everybody, the wrestlers and the and musicians, we're all kind of misfits. You know, we, we don't fit into anything except what we do. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about, so you were saying about it. Did you think it would become such a huge group? You make it as big as you did, like, you know, with the the songs and the, the well, you know, yeah, everything. Yeah. Like I said, I thought, I thought we were good. And, uh, and when, in 1978, when we went to Japan for the first time, uh, we developed a, a core audience without ever being there. And when we went there, uh, I found these people, they got it. They understood what we were up to. Uh, we're, no offense to the U.S., but uh, there wasn't like a, a national rock paper like they had in Japan. So they, they, they listened to us and they, they learned from us. And they, uh, it, it was fantastic. I thought they were the smartest people on earth that they liked us as much as we liked ourselves. And, uh, and that's why we made that record. Uh, you know, we, we probably played in Iowa the night before we went to Japan. We got to Japan and 5,000 people waiting for us at the airport. And we sold out two shows at the, at the Budokan, 